0: Sandra Collins, Fawthish Cross Malina, who went missing on December the 4th, 2000, in Killala. A missing sister, a missing daughter, all together but one. We travel, we search, we pray and cry. No answers, no leads, no reasons why. Years have passed, forever we remember, the times we shared before that December. Forever loved and missed by her loving family, always Sandra. Always and forever. My name is Patrick Collins and I'm Sandra Collins' brother. My name is
1: Bridie Conway and I'm Sandra Collins' sister.
0: Uh, We're in Killala in County Mayo, um, a small seaside village on the North Atlantic coast. So, small, tiny, picturesque village with approximately 500 people. I'm really selling it, haven't I?
1: (laughs) There's no good here days in the West. No, (laughs) No, it's so
0: exposed here, isn't it? It's beautiful. It's nice here. It's very picturesque, but it's very... Yeah, and this is June. Imagine it in December. (laughs) <laughs> I can just, I mean, it was an awful night, wasn't it, as well? Oh, yeah, it was, yeah, yeah, it was a
1: real cold, rough, night. rough winter's About night. About ten like.
0: times worse than this, like, yeah. do you know? and pelting rain and... The wind was howling. It's howling now and it's a summer's day. Like, how did she live down here? Do you know that kind of way? How mm. could she for, like, do you know, to pass the time...
2: I'm standing on the pier in Kalala, looking out over the wild Atlantic. It's colder than I would have expected for June, and the wind has taken my hair. As I talk with Bridie and Patrick Collins, where their sister Sandra is remembered, we shiver and we push our hands deeper into our pockets for warmth. It's hard to imagine what it would have been like that December night in the year 2000, when Sandra was last seen alive in this town or how cold it was on this pier where her jacket was later found. Nobody knows for sure how she met her end but a murder investigation is still open and as long as they are alive her brother and sister say they will continue to fight for the truth. In 2014, a local man, Martin Early, walked free from the court after Justice Patrick McCarthy told the jury there was insufficient evidence to convict and directed them to find him not guilty of murder. Early had previously admitted in a statement to having a sexual relationship with Sandra, but he denied killing her. there was a daredevil in her. She'd go
1: to a fun park and she'd be looking up at this thing up in the air and she'd be saying to me, oh, when it stops now and, and, and uh, they finish up that ride, we'll be on it. And I'd be sitting in the and going, off with you. If you think I'm putting my life up there, you must be joking. I'm standing, putting my feet firmly on the ground. I'd say, no way, Sandra, am I going. And she'd say, oh, you're so lame and you're dry shite. I'm going up. And I'd say, well, you go up when guts are going to I'd be looking here saying, it's okay, I'm fine. And... I me mean, Nicola, up she'd go like, and she'd be on her own. No one else to go with her like. Yeah. Up she'd go, and she'd be going around and around, and I'd be, oh my God, my, God. I'd just walk away because I'd be just saying she will never get back down again. She'd come down and she'd say, oh my God, that was exhilarating. I say, I'm happy for
0: you. <laughs> I'm, I'm
1: exhilarated say, here with her. my feet on the ground. Like yeah. it's fine. She's a sense of adventure. Oh, oh Nicola, will you go? She'd lose and find me a thousand times over. To live beside this really old man like, and he wasn't by any means roadworthy or safe on the road at all. I don't think he and I was me. down at home one day and having my lunch and she landed in with him to mum's house and I was like, Sh- you didn't actually drive from Kalala and the bad road that Kalala is like, I said, you actually didn't drive down Sandra in that car with him. He's fine, he's fine. I said, he can fine. Look at him. And I was like, oh my-, my mother, oh my God. I said, will you have a word with her, <laughs> Yeah. She don't listen to me. She got back into the car again. She this to me, what's wrong with you?
0: So she did a wild streak. Oh, she did a wild streak, Nicola, mm. And then he drove out to the gate and up onto the ditch. And my father was to get him off the ditch. And I thought, oh, oh, my God in heaven, dear. never. And my mother was like, Sandra, ring me when you get home. Ring me when you get home, Sandra, for God's sake. And she said, Joe, she's never going to get home. She's never going to get home. What, did she, what was she thinking? I don't know. And, her, and my father was like... Tried to get him out of the ditch and I was like oh this is good. and she was like make sure Sandra now you ring me when you get home please and she was within in the kitchen oh holy mother of god pray for and I was like I don't know I'm afraid she'll, <laughs> need, she'll need more than that I'm afraid to get to Kilala Well, um, she got down and she, she did, rang in. and she, she said v- no
1: I told you he's fine How mm-hmm. mm-hmm. can we all sound and safe home he was the new
2: chauffeur from then on was he, he was yeah uh, so what age was she again when she
0: came living here
1: She was 15, wasn't she?
0: Uh, When did they move? They moved here in in December, side November 1988. So she was 16, was it? Yeah, 16, yeah. You told me before,
2: you stayed for a night, did you? With your aunt?
1: Yeah, I stayed one night. And you were young? I was young. I was four years younger than her. So I'd have been 12. Yeah, I came down one night and no what's the name living in Balnais oh it was in Balna. She, yeah, she was in a flat in Balnais she was up um, by the train station there and we went in and uh, her and her boyfriend and me and she said she needed somebody for the summer to look after her like so we all sat around and oh, it was a bit like the Waltons when you think back on it like we all sat around who'd go and I said oh I'll go in for a while like whatever I didn't like her like I never liked her but I said I'll go in for a while for mum's sake like and I still stay with her for a few weeks Is your mum's sister dad's sister dad's sister my mum was saying oh go in Brad some of you go in now for a while with her so I went in with her anyway I still will go for a few weeks and then I'll come back out and then somebody else will take over I must spend spending the whole summer inside with her so I went in anyway and we were walking into the went into the flat anyway and it was in a basement oh, I said I'm not waiting here I said I'll stay tonight and that's it you have me for tonight and I said if I survive tonight I'm out of here tomorrow And she said, well, you won't, your mother said you're waiting. And I said, well, if I have to walk home, you see, I was more, Sandra was brave in some ways, and then she was foolish in others, whereas I was stronger in other ways and more foolish maybe in other ways. But I said, no, I said, and if ye brought me in, and I said, ye bring me back out again. And I said, if you don't, I'll walk home. But I said, you're having me no more than one night in this place. If you want to wait, I said, you can, but I'm not waiting. I never slip a wink.
2: And what did you have to do for her, Bridie, at you'd that stage? You'd have to get up
1: in the morning and you'd have to... Like, she was able to get out of bed herself, like, but you'd have to make her bed for her and you'd have to get her all her tablets and give them to her. Like, she played the victim an awful lot. She was well able to do an awful lot more than she portrayed, like. She just wanted somebody she was summoner, with her. Was she? she was. She wanted attention all the time. She craved attention, like and we, I knew fine well that she was well able to do more than she'd be doing but she'd put on the show then when she'd be around her mum and dad oh I'm so bad now and my knees and I'm buckled up and my hands and saying yeah your head isn't buckled up unfortunately mm. but um, I knew she was nasty like and she would a nasty streak in her she was never happy for anyone that was succeeding or anyone that was doing well for themselves she'd always a bad jealous like bad it. old mm. thing to say like yeah so I came home anyway, and I said, well, I'm done anyway. Whoever else now was going, I said, but I'm done. I'm not going in again, ma'am. And she said, you are? And I said, no. So then I don't know, did Sandra
0: go in then to her? Sandra went in then, I think,
2: yeah.
1: To the flat for yeah.
2: Shortly after, Sandra, still a teenager, moved in with her aunt, Anne O'Grady. They moved to a council house in Kalala. I visited the house some years ago, and I was shocked by how small it was. Just one bedroom kitchen and a tiny backyard with barely enough space to hang out the washing. Sandra would live there, with her aunt, until her disappearance. In 1998, aged 26, Sandra became pregnant. I suppose you probably thought,
1: Nicola, that a baby coming into the house, it'd soften in up a bit or bring out, you know, mm. something more... More in her like, but as the, the weeks were going by, like I suppose she just, she said to me, she's given out like when the baby is crying and she's, you know, she didn't sign up for this. And I said, sure, leave her there to hell. Mm. Leave her there to hell. I said and come up. Like the amount of times Nikolai asked her, mm. and begged her, even before she had yeah. the baby, like to yeah. leave and and come back up. But she she had her just, she'd her manipulated, she'd her brainwashed. She had her. Under control, she couldn't. Like God knows what she was
0: saying to her. We actually got some of her belongings back after 15 years. Now bits that they didn't need, or they didn't, you know, they didn't no longer have use for. And there was tapes, and there was saw doctor tapes, and there was uh, tape that tapes, and CDs, and there was pictures, and um, a Bible, and stuck within in the Bible was this photograph of her scan, her first scan her first and only scan with the baby and it was a prayer that she probably said every night and it was a prayer for expectant mothers to have a healthy baby and I looked at the date and it was sometime in May or June of 98 and I thought in my mind you would have gone up there now on your own probably on the bus you'd have gone in there and seen all the mums with the husbands and the hubbies and them holding their hands and she'd have gone in on her own had to have had the scan come home clutching that picture and then be praying that prayer every night i'm sure she probably said it beforehand but i just thought it was so poignant it was stuck within the scan photograph was stuck within on the the prayer book and then there was a card it was a get well card and it said Anne was in hospital and it said to Anne, um, wishing you a speedy recovery lots of love always sandra and i thought my mind oh there you go there you go lots of love always and it wasn't reciprocated was it in my own mind
2: you know. Do you think Sandra felt a sense of responsibility to I her? Think she so. probably told her
0: she'd nobody else.
2: Yeah.
1: yeah. yeah. Or she'd have laid it on thick, thick and heavy, like, poor me, and if you leave me now, and sure as we said, God knows what she said to her, she might have said, Oh, I'll do anything to myself if God you leave knows. me, or, yeah. you know. Yeah. I suppose so she yeah. put the emotional yeah. pressure on Sandra, and Sandra wasn't able for her. She wasn't strong enough that way. She was too soft. Yeah. She was too soft. Whereas I tell her, Off with you. Mm. Good Emo- up to you.
0: Emotionally, she wasn't able to no. cope with it, you say. She wouldn't be able to. You know, and I suppose what you hear about people like couples, and they say, "Oh, a baby will fix the marriage," or whatever the case may be. Maybe she thought a baby would be just what the doctor ordered, in as regards in their fi- circumstances. Yeah, it'd be just wonderful, mm. and they'd raise it, and she'd. Um, but see, I think Anne was jealous as well because she was married herself, you see, and it went pear-shaped because she got sick, and she couldn't have children. She had loads of miscarriages. So how could, how dare, how dare Sandra? have a baby yeah. just who did she think she was yeah. to have a baby so then Sandra made so the decision being...
1: that no trust in the right place trust in the right environment so she gave the baby up for adoption yeah. Yeah. She, she took
2: be, her then
0: and she gave her away she'd be too toxic like. yeah. that's exactly what she said she deserves to have a mother and what on
2: was him. she like when she came back then did she just accept her lot that this was it
0: it was her and Anne
1: I think so Nicola yeah
2: yeah
0: and she was so young she was what 26 when she had her yeah and then um, I only found out then, like a couple of years ago, really. Uh, her friends told me that before she had her adopted life, that she would walk to the house where the woman that was minding her. Foster. Care. She was in foster, yeah. And um, she'd stand on the road, and the woman would bring her up to the window just to get a glimpse of her every single day after dinner, after she'd given in her dinner. So that was her jaunt out the Belnair Road. She called for her friends. And they would go, and she would stand for ages on the road. Hail, rain, snow, wind, whatever. It didn't matter until she got a glimpse of her. And then when she'd go to Balnais, she'd buy her a little gift, and um, she would get the best friend to go to the door because Sandra wasn't allowed to give the little gift to the woman that was mined in the baby lock mm-hmm. until the adopted parents got her. So, I don't know, I can't imagine. I, I just, you know... I, I just couldn't... I couldn't imagine how she felt or how hard it was to come to that realisation I have to do this and not wanting to do it Mm. but just thinking to herself if I don't do it then it's really selfless it's selfless in any walk, shape or life but to think like that you know she did it you know for somebody that didn't deserve it that's the bottom line Mm. and to
1: be honest Nicola for a long time after it happened there was a lot of mixed emotions, like, with the whole lot of us, you know. I won't deny it. I won't sugarcoat it. For mm. a long time afterwards, Nicola was frosty between me and her. Mm. Because to me, I couldn't understand it. I mean, I I just couldn't. I just said to myself, I, you know, I had no kids at the time myself, like, but I, when I have them now, even now, and I, and I hate to say it, like... But if I had to, I don't know, live in a tent... I wouldn't be without them. Do you know what I mean? And I couldn't understand how she could just give she her did. up. Yeah. She must have been feeling
2: very bad about herself
1: that she did that. I'd say so, Nicola, yeah. Yeah, I'd say so, yeah. I think And she looking back ba- on it, I feel bad about it because I probably wasn't... The sympathy or the empathy didn't come from me, as it should have done, but... I suppose you can't help how you feel either, like...
0: I think she probably no. felt bad, but she probably felt a huge... Relief in that she was going to be getting the things that Sandra couldn't provide for her, like a proper mum and a dad, a proper education, holidays, things that people like she could, what would, in all retrospect, like what would she provide for her on carer's allowance in reality? And it's not about money and it's not about material things, but looking back, I think maybe that maybe could be the only comfort in the two years and two months, after she lived, after she had her, that, you know something, I have given her every single thing that I wanted her to have, and I cannot have.
2: For what sort of a life would she
1: have had here in Oh, She'd have had nothing, mm. no. absolutely nothing, no. And, and I'm not being disrespectful but the people that Sandra, as the years have gone on, and we've found out more, because we didn't, we didn't really know. Sandra came up on a Sunday night, and mm. we spent maybe two, three hours together, And that was it, she came home, she came back down here again and we wouldn't hear from her, maybe have a phone call during the week week with her, but you wouldn't see her again until the following Sunday night. And I wouldn't see her as regularly as they were because I was working and me and Michael might have been gone doing things on Sundays or whatever and I wouldn't have been always at home on a Sunday even. So you wouldn't really know. But down through the years, like, you know, even the people that she was palling with down here, no disrespect meant to them, like, but, you know... It's kind of, it's a bit septic. Like, the whole you know, place is a bit think, septic. God think, forgive me. Think, you drive out of
2: Dublin, it's been such a long year not doing that, and you're kind of coming out here in a sense of, oh, the West, yeah. and it's like, you know, it's idyllic looking, and it's just gorgeous, and it's to me it's sort of ice creams and oh. no, summer's is. days,
0: but... Mm. The, there's
1: a different side yeah, to it too, it. Nicola. There's a dark side to it. Yeah. It has... A da- like, if you scratch
0: the surface, you'll find an awful lot deeper.
1: Always down through the years when I came down here, long before Anthony ever happened, Sandra. When I'd come down here on holidays or whatever with her, like when we were younger, I always got the sense when I came down, oh, God, I cannot wait for the time to be over till like, I can get out of it again. Just got this vibe off of that. It. it was just not a nice place. Mm. And to this day, I still have it, like...
2: And is that sort of that there's a sense of hopelessness here or something or is it you just have this dark feeling about it because you had a foreboding maybe
1: I don't know I suppose maybe I was I always thought that Sandra could end up could have done better for herself do you know what I mean that that she wasn't here wasn't where she should be you know that kind of way I knew that for a fact like so I suppose I was against it
2: from that side like so for a young girl you mean that she, there was nobody for her. there, oh, there was, was no nobody
1: for her. Like no, 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 no. There was no, no. There was no solid friends. I think that
2: was the age that she came into the community. <gasps> that she was sixteen. She was mm. a difficult mm. age, maybe to settle down, make friend, make proper friends. And but she always said it. She said, um, "I'm in it, but I'm not in it in it." So she was an outsider here.
1: Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. She She always felt she was an outsider. She was on the outskirts looking in. And she was from 10 miles away. Yeah. But she was a blow-in. Yeah.
1: The people that she palled with that
0: she thought were her friends, they weren't. And of course, there was a big age gap as well. I think there's about 10 years between some of them. Mm. Mm. Like So when she was 28, well, 26, 27, they were 17, 18. You know, she didn't have Mm. friends Mm. of her own age group that she could confide in. She can go
1: to school here you see she didn't grow up here she can go to discos or anything like that here like.
0: So it would have been impossible for her to hook up with somebody and I suppose if she probably was so desperate that when somebody did become friends with her you know she was delighted, it didn't matter who they were Mm -hmm. she was probably very very lonely.
2: Lonely. And you're vulnerable when you're lonely.
0: Mm. Yeah and I suppose I'm going back maybe what 30 years ago now like there was no internet there was there was there was a telephone if you were lucky if you were lucky there was none no mobiles. Mobiles. there was none really yeah. I mean she was very isolated as well yeah taxis were few and far between do you know what I mean so if there was something wrong you know how was she going to get across from the line, or where would she go and money was you know it was a different era it was a different time in even the 90s up until when she went missing, I think, for her to have a baby out of wedlock, even at that stage, would have seen as being a bit of a, oh, no, 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 shame on you. That's 98. There was that still that slight stigma and, you know, attached and that nasty classification, you know, and that's... Narrow-mindedness. Exactly, yeah, 23 years ago. So I do feel like she was isolated and if anybody showed her a small bit of attention.
1: She jumped on it. She jumped
0: on it because she was just so, so lonely Mm -hmm. and her life was just so miserable that if she got half an hour of happiness with somebody, then you know what, it'll carry me through till tomorrow. And like everyone down here that I've ever spoken to or that have said anything about her to me have said, oh, how nice she was and how kind she was and that no one can ever say a bad word about her. But the also side of it was oh, she was very quiet, very quiet, she never spoke, so, so shy. So maybe she was so shy like that, that was probably seen as a vulnerability by some people that preyed on it. See, she you- never had a job. She
1: went to national school, she never went to secondary school. So she missed out on all that camaraderie and, you know, building up. And, you know, I see it with my own kids now the friends and the, the fall-ins and the fallouts, outs and uh, you have to toughen up and you have to, you know. And it, it builds people. And then she never held down a job. She didn't know what it was to be part of a, a working team or a working environment, let it be good or bad. Everybody doesn't get on all the time. But, like, she would none of that in her life. She never knew what it was to
0: get a salary, to have a wage. No. So she was and it wasn't through her own for choice no. it, was all t- it was all dictated all the t- for- t- to her Yeah, which is the sad part about it Like,
2: Sandra Collins was last seen in Kalala on December 4th 2000 when she bought two bags of chips in the local chipper at around 11.15pm earlier that day she'd gone to her GP who'd confirmed that she was pregnant and she'd been seen in a kiosk in angry conversation with somebody on the phone five days after she was last sighted in kalala her fleece jacket was found on the pier in the pockets there was a packet of sausages and two wet pieces of paper with phone numbers on them one was martin early's number the second was for an abortion clinic in the uk do you be dreading it like a day like today when you have to bring it all back up again.
1: I kind of do, yeah. yeah. And I, I, I kind of dread it for, for, not so much for myself, Nicola, but for my own children, like, mm. do you know what I mean? They're trying to live their lives, like, and they're very, very good now and they're very supportive, like, and they have no emotional ties to Sandra because they didn't know her and I don't expect them to. But they have empathy and sympathy for me mm. with the story, like. But I have empathy and sympathy back then for them with them trying to live their own lives and, you know, they don't want to be different. They don't want to be... The girls with the missing aunt, and you know that kind of a way. Mm-hmm. But as I've explained it to them, and they've said it to me, they've said it's just the way it is, mom. Yeah. And it's who you are, and we wouldn't swap you. You <laughs> know, they're all going like, we wouldn't swap you because of Sandra. Like it's who, what you are, and it's the it's the baggage that you have. But sure, I suppose other people have other baggage. Like mm. and the sad part of it all is, it's just to get her back. Like yeah. it's not the justification, even though we'd love to see whoever done her wrong get their own comings up, like. But it's not even about that now at this stage. We're so exhausted with it, so emotionally, physically, everything drained with it, that it's just finality. Mm. That's what it's all about, like, getting Sandra back and putting her in the grave and being able to say, you're home, Mm. and then carry on ourselves then like, have this weight lifted off the shoulders and say, we're free of it, like.
0: I know, I know full well the night that daddy died. She was definitely stood at the bottom of the bed with James and Mammy, welcoming him. Mm-hmm. And the gates were flung open for him as well as for her.
1: And that's the only saving grace that we have, that we feel that there is a heaven and there is a place after this, after we leave here. And they're together. And that they're together, yeah. yeah. That's the only thing now that I keep you sane, like, yeah, and they're, and that, that, that you know.
0: Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And that there will be, there'll be, you know, people go on about justice it really doesn't make any difference to me, or to Bridie, or to Davy, or to Mary, or to anyone, whether the person that's responsible is above a Mountjoy, or they're beyond a beach in Florida. It doesn't really matter where they are, what they're doing, whether they're a millionaire, a pauper, in a tent. Mm-hmm. As long as we get her back, and that's the end of it then for us, then we can close that chapter and go. Well, we've got another couple of years, please God, of decent living, and then it's done, and then we can go to our graves with the peace and the knowledge that it's done. You know what I mean? And a couple of weeks ago, um, we were out walking the dog and I got a phone call from the Gardaí. And um, just checking in, and then they had say, he said to me, just to let you know that they found a body in Killala. And I was like, all right, okay. And then he goes in the next bit, but it's not Sandra. And I went, all right. And it was the first time Nichol, in twenty one, twenty and a half 20 and a half years nearly, that I had got that phone call or we had got that phone call. And I went, oh, sugar. Well, no, sugar wasn't exactly the word I said. But when I went home, I started to think, oh my god, like we were, you know, how would I feel? It was a kind of a taster, a, tang- a taster for that, that, that magical phone call. Mm. I thought to myself, how did somebody bury her? How did they bury Cassandra? Like, this is a human being, you know. I don't believe that it was like. Didn't they that want nerves to steal like, how did their stomach cope with it? And then to take off her coat, like, and to place it here to make it look like she tried to kill herself. Like, when they were touching you, were you cold? Had you gone hard? The days and weeks afterwards, like, how they lived. Yeah, where did they... When they, how when they went to bed at night and, and the clothes eyes and go, did they not see them going, what did they wrap you in? You know, like, and I, I... I started thinking about all this. I started thinking, my God, like, how did you actually function? Because, you know... I know we were only burying a cat, like, but I was comparing the two scenarios. But, like, it was just horrendous. And I was thinking, you were talking about a human being, not a another... Like, an animal is more... And they are, like, for some, and I agree, they're, like, part of the family, and they are. Mm. Um, but, like, you know, for a human being to kill somebody else and then to deliberately then go and say that's horrendous in itself but to take somebody's body whether she's cold or he's cold or hard or you know what I mean I don't understand how they'd ration- would bury them and they'd walk yeah. away yeah and rationalise it then like and function and eat and go to sleep and shave and shower and that they wouldn't go oh bang she'd they'd, you'd, you'd have a flashback of her lifeless body in your face you know mm. or her eyes Did they close her eyes? You know, stupid little things like that. Like, you know, I mean, this is her community. and This is where it happened. Like, evil came to this place on that night. And, like, why... you, You know, you watch films and you watch television series and you see something like this happening and you're going, oh, you're willing the people to stand up against the one person or whatever the case may be, or, you know, against whatever it is. And you're thinking, come on, come on, come on. And eventually, somebody does grow a backbone and they stand up. And the next thing, they all stand together. And then when they do, it's the end of it. Or it's the, that's it then. Like, you know, they can, you know, the wrongs then are put finally put to right. Mm-hmm. And you think to yourself, well, why can't they do that in Kalala? Why can't they come forward? I suppose, understandably, I suppose part of me does understand it because I be... this fear and this loyalty. Fear and... You know, I get it. I really do, believe it or not, as strange as it sounds, you know you know, if you're in fear and your life I mean, if you're married and you've got a couple of kids, you know, how can you logically and justifiably say excuse me, justifiably say, I, I want, I'll help and put my own family at risk. So mm. But I don't know if there's
1: a sense too of people really don't care. Mm. but some people don't care, Nicola. It's not at their door. They're not lifted like so why should they put themselves out or put themselves mm-hmm. in any kind of danger? Danger, like It's not our business, that should be the, a lot of the things, it's not our business, like. You see, down here is the community where she lived and, you know, the meetings and the whole lot and the pubs and everything else, it's all happened here, like, so it's here that the answers lie.
0: So, yeah, like we're now in 2021 and it's 21 years. And even now, still Nicola, Mm. the hope is even stronger than ever before. Like last Christmas, we had a fantastic appeal in conjunction with the Gardaí and crime call. And um, there's been new information as a result of that. And in this year as well, in recent weeks, we've had a couple of phone calls as well. So it just goes to show that our, our appeals and our our cries for help aren't fallen on deaf ears. And I really want to thank them people that did come forward in recent weeks. And I would sincerely thank them. And I'd also appeal to those people that are maybe listening today and a bit on the fence thinking, ah, it's not much point now, it's too long, it's, it's no point. I'd say, no, no, no. More than ever, now is your time to come forward because it's, we're really, we're getting closer to finding her. And I don't think it's not if, it's when. And
1: we'll never, ever give up hope. It's not a case of, oh, will you walk away? And like people have said to me, you must be exhausted with it. And we are. We would be lying if we said we weren't. We are exhausted with it. But the fight for her and getting her back means that much to us that we're going to 100% keep going and keep searching and keep hoping. And like Patrick said, it's great to think that nearly 21 years later, people are still coming forward with information and stuff
0: and like there's so many ways they can do it they can ring us they can write to us there's an anonymous phone number it's dedicated 24 hours a day it's it's publicised all over Um, it's not even based here in Mayo it's nothing got to do with Mayo it's nothing to do with the Gardaí so all you have to do is ring that telephone number and there's a lady at the other end of it who's willing to talk to you day or night and just take to your details you can do this you really can I mean if you're sitting on the fence you can do this I know you can you're, you know, your conscience has to let you do it eventually. For her sake, for ours, but for your own. To set yourself free. You know, don't don't carry this burden for anyone else, is what I would say. I wouldn't, I wouldn't like to be in the person's shoes or anyone that's carrying secrets or holding back or anything like that. Don't kick the can down the road. Do it now. In 20 years, I wonder how many people have passed away and have wanted to say something mm. and never got the chance to do it. Like, we're talking about two decades. I mean... Just don't waste any more time. Enough time has been wasted. Enough stolen and enough opportunities and enough enough memories have been ripped from us. Like, you know, come on, this is her community, or we're supposed to be. This is where she belongs. And this is where the answers lie. She needs to come back here. And, the, you know, the ghost of her needs to be put to rest. It's all good and well saying, oh, we feel sorry for you and everything else. Like that. And that's fantastic and that's fant- fabulous, but that's not enough. Feeling sorry for us is not enough. We need answers and we need to get her back. Empty words are not are of no comfort to us. What we want is action, as in stand up and this is where she is. Go and find her and live your lives. And we're really sorry for what happened. That's all I'd have to say about it.